Hello, welcome to Visionaries. I am not your host, Jacob Wolf. Uh, Producer Prem here. Jacob is on location right now doing some some work for an upcoming project that we're really excited to bring you in the future. So today it's just me giving you this little primer on, on the episode. We were joined this week by John Phipps, retired uh, US Marine Corps veteran. He has been deployed in, in Iraq and, and during the war in the Middle East. And he came to tell us about some of the disparities and, and kind of conflict between war games and actual war. John is someone who has an immense amount of experience both working as, as someone in the Marines and as someone who is very open about kind of the importance of mental health and, and being honest and, and true to those experiences uh, as both a gamer and a veteran. John is someone that I've been following for quite some time. He's he's honestly just a really nice guy. Uh, he's he's an avid gamer, huge Final Fantasy nerd, and we're really excited to bring him on uh, with the alpha release of Six Days in Fallujah. Jacob and John will get into it in the episode, but Six Days in Fallujah is a war game that is supposed to give players a very realistic uh, depiction and an experience of what it was like to to be in Fallujah during during that assault. I'm not going to to speak too much about what that really looks like in in practice and and how that really conflicts with uh, the the experiences of people who were boots down at that time. Uh, John does an incredible job of of really explaining it and 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 giving us and hopefully all of you a, a great sense of some of the problems that arise with with games like that he is someone that has been very critical of of the games industry for pretty consistently getting some things very wrong in 2017 john wrote an article about the use of white phosphorus as a kill streak reward in call of duty where in call of duty it it kind of shows up as just a minor inconvenience but in reality and and john mentions this white phosphorus melts you from the inside out it's it's a pretty horrible experience and and it is a, a, a war crime now i like i said i wanted to keep this short the this discussion i think speaks for itself it's a very important discussion to have especially as more war games become kind of pr- even more prominent than than they've ever been and as we see the military start to use them as potential recruiting tools. These are all discussions that that John gets into with, with Jacob, and uh, I think you guys will really enjoy this one. John Phipps, welcome to the show. Hello, how's it going? It's going okay. Like I said, it's been a chaotic day here with internet issues. I'm traveling tomorrow to Tennessee to shoot something. So it's been, uh, I've had a bunch of issues with my gear as well. I was like screwing in something to a Pelican case earlier and the screws went through the case, which, you know, good times, but that such, such is life and travel never goes as expected. So, and nursing a (laughs) a cold, which I don't think is COVID because I'm testing negative and then it's not the flu either. So that's good times. We're making it work though. I hope you get over it soon, man. Thank you. Thank you. So you're here because we wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the bigger relation, you know, coming off the 4th of July, obviously a very patriotic moment. You are an ex-military person yourself, and you've spoken a lot about sort of the relationship that exists between gaming and the military and the way that, that the military uses gaming more broadly. I, like, will put my cards on the table here. Like, I don't have super i don't have super strong thoughts about the activations as maybe some of the other people in the gaming space do i do think that i have some thoughts about military using sort of more predatory recruitment methods etc but i want to like before we kind of dive into what i think about that i want to ask like sort of what is your broader stance on what has been going on especially in the past like five years with the military using using gaming to recruit etc well I mean, honestly, uh, you know, the military using video games to recruit is 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 not like a, a recent phenomenon. I mean, you know, you look as far back as things like America's Army, 
which I, I think came out in it was mid to early early to mid 2000s like like i, I want to say something like that and of course like you know the armies you know would say oh this isn't a recruitment tool with like a wink and a nod and you know it's just a game about what you know about you know the u.s army but it's in no way a means to re, you know to you know to, to you know to recruit anyone but you know i mean but you know that being said there's definitely been a push recently within the past six or seven years for you know gaming you like you know gaming has become like a you know a, a key method for the u.s military specifically the army to recruit i mean look i mean they've got an esports team now yep right and i've seen them I've seen the 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 booths at at, at PAX East and West, and they've got oh, they've got a large pl- uh, presence there. And you know, I had asked myself <laughs> what was kind of causing this shift, right? Because I mean, video games were always here, right? Like back in the '90s, right? Like you know, back you know, you had Super Nintendo, then the PlayStation, N64, Dreamcast, PS2, you know, Xbox, PS3. Like you know, why why video games have been around since the you know in, like in 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 their prominent state since like the mid '90s till today, and and you know what is what the you know the this this recent recent push, and I realized that um like you know I'm 42 years old, so had I stayed in the Marine Corps, I mean one I'd be up for retirement this year, which is really weird to think, but two I'd be I'd I'd be an E eight or an E nine at this point, right? You know, master, you know, master yep. sergeant or first sergeant or master gunnery sergeant, what have you. And the guys in charge of recruitment are are like me, right? They're they're my age. They, they a lot of these guys grew up playing games just like I did, and and they they know the you know the the compelling nature of gaming, and they are aware of just how integrated into the cultural zeitgeist gaming is. And 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 so you know this this new generation of of recruiters is is basically me right like guys you know guys you know you know men and women with a real love of of video games uh, who grew up with them and and are you know are are looking for ways to you know up their recruitment quotas and and you know you know get those numbers up because you know in recent years you know the the army has had difficulty you know hitting their recruitment goals. So what are you going to do to speak to the this this new generation of of you know would be would be soldiers right well you know they all most of them love video games and so that that to me is like the natural you know kind of a natural segue from you know high speed commercials with you know guy you know guys you know running through obstacle courses well you know let's just you know, let's start an esports team. Yep. And, and 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 again, right? Like, you know, they say, "Oh, the esports team isn't for recruiting," but it's like, it is though, because I mean, you're and and it's it's weird, right? Because it's it's showing kids a slice, a very 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 vertical slice of army life that they will almost certainly never get to experience themselves, right? You know, for example, uh, you know, and, and like there, there's all there's already so many logistical questions behind what the Army esports team is actually supposed to accomplish. Like, for example, th- there's a rule in the Army that you cannot make a certain amount of well, there's a rule in the military that you can't make a certain amount of money, right? If you if you make or are awarded a certain amount of money, you you have to EIS because you know, let's say you know. Joe Schmuckatelli, you know, Army PFC suddenly wins a million dollars, right? Well, at that point, the worry is, well, I'm just going to bribe my commanders mm. and get out of anything I want. So those soldiers, if if the esports team wins, like let's say like a like an Apex tournament, right? Who gets that money? Right. Who gets the purse? It's not the it's not the soldier. I guarantee it. So does that money just go to the army? And in turn, what do they use that money for? These are questions I have asked, and I have never gotten a satisfactory answer for it. You know, I have a sort of a personal touch in multiple different ways to the benefits of, of military service or potential benefits of military service. So, you know, my my granddad was a World War II Navy veteran. He recently passed away a few months ago. But he grew up very poor in, in Georgia. His parents were farmers. They didn't really have a whole lot. And he had six siblings. He was one of seven. 
And so, you know, their ability to send anyone to college, et cetera, was basically non-existent. And both my great uncle and my grandfather both were World War II veterans. My my great uncle fought in, in Europe during World War II and this is part of the army. And my grandfather fought in the Pacific as a part of uh, World War II as well in the Navy. And my grandfather was able to, after post, was able to go to college and actually go to the University of Georgia and, and you know, use his GI Bill hours basically to, to pursue an education and, and better his life. The same, my fiance is, uh, her dad was a Vietnam vet. She's been able to use a bunch of the Hazelwood hours, et cetera. And I personally actually almost joined the military in right before I got into esports as a journalist and, and had this career take off for me. Because I, too, didn't come from much and basically needed some way to pay for the education I wanted and came extremely close to enlisting the Navy as an engineer because I thought that was the way to get it. And I think, like, in, on one hand, that's a great benefit, right? I think, like, there's... Oh, for there's sure. And, and, it, like, and, and, and I, I want to clarify real quick. Like, I'm not talking to anybody out of joining the military. Like, you know, there's, yeah. like, I was in the military. You know, like, I would not be... I'm very successful today. I would not be where I'm at without the military. And of course, every country needs a standing military. Like it's kind of yeah. a requirement to be a country, you know? So, so I, I wanted to clarify that, like, you know, I wasn't trying to talk to anybody. I've just got some fundamental questions as to, as to what the army is doing in regards to its recruitment. Methods. Well, so do I. Um, and that's which, where I was going with that. I was like giving a little yeah. bit of preamble to basically to say, like, I think what's concerning about that is when you get to the point where like, the military is the only destination for people that like want to like better men and improve their lives. Right. And like, that's, mm -hmm. that's always not right with me, I, you know, outside of just video games and, and the tactics that they use now to video games, which obviously just expands their reach as you were just talking about. But I think the balance, I think this is what we're going to talk about throughout this whole episode is this hard balance of like, yes, there are benefits and patriotism and everything else. And I think you run into this a lot with the type of content you create. when you talk about these things is like, you don't, it's hard to talk and be critical about something like this without like immediately people being super polarized about it, right? It's extremely difficult for people to have a nuanced conversation around, yes, there can be pros, yes, there can be cons, and like finding the center ground and we can talk about all of them openly. I think like that's that's the hard part, right? Well, it's it's such a... <sighs> It's such a weird. So, like, I've always wondered why the military is drilling down so hard on, like, say, video games when, like, they could just tell you how easy it is. Like, 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 and I had some people get mad at me for saying this, but it's like, guys, as somebody who's been in the military, like, if you join, you've got it made. Like, you're, you've got free, you got, you got free medical, you got free dental, you got free food. I mean, just go to the chow hall. You know, you like, uh, you know, I, I have friends in the military, like they've never had to pay for a child being born. It's all paid for college. They'll pay for your room and board. You know, your chances, even during Iraq, your chances of actually going to fight and die were minuscule. And if you're not, in a, if, if we're not in a war, then what do you, you're, all you're doing is doing drills and training and living on base and getting you know plastered at like you know you know fast freddy's every weekend i like, came with some of those me, guys that are from uh, outside of the austin area that live in some of those bases yeah, and do exactly what you just described yeah yeah so. no yeah it's i mean i mean like you know be like if like people act like joining the military is this massive sacrifice right but i'm here to tell you it's not like mm. you know, yes, there are absolutely individuals who have sacrificed everything for this country. They've sacrificed their lives, right? And that should always be honored and and respected and remembered. But that's like point. That's less than a percent of people who act, like like. Do you know how? It's like do you know how many people are actually serving the military right now? Like I, I mean, mo most of them are just on base you know live in their lives and you're like you know they'll do some training you know you know they go to the shop every morning and it, it, so talk about that stuff like like why are you talking about video games like talk about talk about all the shit that you're going to get paid like talk about everything that you're going to get for free if you join the military like i mean you know it's just it's a really weird because i mean I, dude like of course yeah i joined the military yeah i'm gonna play video games in my free time yeah, but nobody should be under the illusion that you're going to be on the Army esports team. You're not. Like, to 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 show, to say that oh look here's the Army esports team. You might have a shot. No, you don't. There's like what eight or nine people on the esports team out of the entire Army, and I guarantee you they are recruiting for the esports team based on physical appearance and bearing as opposed to actually being able to play a game well. 
guaranteed because it's it's a recruitment tool at the end of the day. And you know, when you're recruiting, you want the you want the the best looking people who are the most clean cut and that that's just the way it is. So it's it's always been it, it's been in the back of my mind for a while now. It's like why not why not just talk about all the stuff you get if you join the military as opposed to an esports team that 99.9999999999% of soldiers are never ever ever going to get anywhere near. It's just weird. Yeah, I think the balance there too though is like you almost as it looks bad almost if you talk about the benefits of being in the military like you just laid it out, right? Like if you are defense spending is huge, right? In in America, it's one yeah. of the biggest spending categories every time the Congress goes through a budget. And so like if you're like, oh, like this is going towards training soldiers who are not in wartime, right? And they're just exactly what you just described, they're on basis. And sure, like if shit goes sideways and we, you know, the country ends up in another war, there's like attack, which I think it's very unlikely. I think, you know, the next next mm-hmm. major war for the America will be cyber and not not on boots on ground or, you know, it's not. I ship. mean, whatever. I mean, even if it were to be boots on the ground, there's no absolutely no appetite for war in America right now. So like that's it's not going to happen for a while. Right. So but then you so if you're, you know, the PR person at the U.S. Army or the U.S. Navy or, or what have you, like. Saying what you just said looks really terrible when it's like, oh, we're spending how many X number of yeah. dollars to be out of wartime, right? Like that's that's the problem that I think they run into. And and so you have to become if you're in their spot, you have to come up with like sort of more glamorous you gotta, type. You do something. Yeah, yeah. More glamorous type recruitment, et cetera. I think can you walk us walk kind of us and listeners through how you think like what they're doing, especially with esports and what the military is doing with gaming. How that differs from what they do with athletics. So, I mean, to be honest with you, like I, so I was a Marine, right? And we don't have like a, you know, like, yeah, we have the Navy football team, the Naval, but, but we're not the Navy, right? Like we may be part of the department of the Navy, but the Marines are the Navy. So, and I spent, honestly, I spent more time when I, I was in the Marine Corps for five years and I spent more time deployed than I did at Lejeune. So like. I have never really seen, I'll say this, I've never really seen the military use sports as a method of recruitment. I, I, I just, that's not something that, that I've, that I've ever seen, but you know, video, because like, you know, not, because like not everybody is cut out to be an athlete. Mm. Right. Like, and I think the military recognize, like, you know, like, you know, there's besides like, what are you going to do? Like join the Marine Corps and play like, you know, professional Marine Corps football, like that's not going to happen. Uh, it's something because it's something that, that doesn't exist. But more than that, not everybody is athletic. But most people these days, uh, like, you know, in their late teens, love video games. Like that's something that everybody can agree on. That's something, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be in incredible shape to, to be really, really good at them or to love them or, you know, whatnot, you know, to be engaged in them. So, you know, uh, the military, you know, specifically the army, again, is going to use the the widest possible net they can cast, and I, it's pretty clear that, that that is video games in today's world. You know, the, we focus a lot in this discussion on the army because they're the ones that actually has the esports team that are fielding, you know, actual players. They're not the only one that's done activations in gaming, though. I've seen the Air Force logo a whole lot around a lot of different various gaming of related events. Some competitive, some not, right? The branded Coast Guard stumps and stuff, too. I haven't seen as much Navy as, as we've seen kind of the other branches, but... I don't think you'll ever see the Marine Corps doing that. <laughs> no, no. Granted, I have I do distinctly remember commercial advertising and the Marines, like, branding, not only just ads, but actually, like, branding events outside of gaming in, in the past. So they, they used to have those incredible commercials about, like, you know, the, the knight on the chessboard was killing all the chess pieces and then he transformed into a marine in his dress blues or like you know he he climbed a tower then slew a fire breathing dragon and like turned into a marine in dress blues so that's the kind of that's the kind of you know and today it's like you know battles won and battles fought like it's yep. I, you know like like the the marine corps is going to stick to what they know they're going to stick to what they're good at because the marines are 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 going out i mean to be quite frank the marines are going after a different audience than the army right how so? Um, I, I know what you mean, but for people that don't, can you explain? So the Marine Corps is the smallest branch. At, at any given point, there are, I don't know how many uh, Marines there are now, but at any, like, you know, at any given point, there's like anywhere from 150,000 to like maybe 175,000. It is a, it is a small branch. And, you know, 
there's a sense of and and again like speaking as somebody who who was a marine there's a sense of elitism there like you know we mm-hmm. are the best of the best of the best sir with honors you know as uh, as will smith said in uh, in men in black and the marines are going to focus on those kids who just want action right like you know that first to fight you know, devil dog, you know, hard charge and oorah, you know, born to kill stuff. Right. And like that, that is what the Marine Corps is after. The army is, is more focused on individuals who want to like, you know, maybe get college paid for, you know, do four years and get out and, you know, like, you know, I've, I've learned to trade now. And, and obviously there's a, obviously it's the U S army. Like, you know, there's a, there's a huge combat aspect of the aspect aspect of that as well, you know, but the army for the army it's more of a this is a a lifestyle like you know this is a this is a big like you know you can you know this is a career you can retire doing this and get your you know you know you get benefits and all that stuff the marine corps is like if you want to be a fucking badass come join the marine corps and and that is very very appealing to a certain and which is why they're never like the Marine Corps is just never going to have anything like an esports team. They're never going to have anything. They're never going to use video games as their as their primary means of recruitment, if at all, ever. It's just not something that the Marine Corps is going to do. The Marine Corps is marching to the beat of their own drum. No pun intended. Ironically, though, I think some of the competitive breed, like you know, some of the way that people breed their like competitive spirit in gaming, you know, is probably a pretty natural fit for the Marine Corps. In probably, a lot of yeah. Ways. yeah, probably is. Yeah, I've I've met a lot of Marines and a lot of yeah, exactly what you said. That's why I knew exactly what you meant when you said it. That you know, it is a very like competitive, hard drive, like hardcore. I think hardcore is the most apt description word. Like it's yeah. yeah. Well, and there's a reason that the mod. There's a reason that it's still the few, the proud, the Marines, and that has not changed, right? Like the Marine Corps has no interest in being in being anywhere near the size of the Army or any other of the uh, of the service branches. The Marine Corps is small for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen some Marines get in trouble for the ego part of that too, like you know, acting out because because of the way that they carried themselves and hold themselves to account. I think I want to circle back on what I was saying earlier and the the discussion topic around this because I know you've received criticism and I know plenty of other people that have where it's like being able to talk about this in a nuanced way. And I want to ask you how we do that, right? Because I think a lot of people, when you start talking out against the military, it immediately becomes that you're like some anti-government pig and like you, you know, like don't, I, I think you, I think it's very possible. I know plenty of people and I feel this way. I think it's very possible to both love America and also like critique America. Right. And want better for it. And, and want to, and same goes for the military. And I think like, that's, it's unfortunately, there's not a lot of nuance there. People get really, really upset really quickly. So how do you think we have a more educated nuanced discussion on this? Well, I mean, people got to remember that, you know, being able to criticize our government and live is what sets us apart from North Korea. I'll use a video game analogy for this. Like, I, I love Final Fantasy. If, like, you know, it's not readily apparent if you look behind me, but mm-hmm. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. But I've also been critical of the franchise in the past because the things that we love won't get better unless we criticize them. If we don't criticize the things we love, then eventually they become stale and nothing ever changes, Right. There are some people who conflate criticism with, you know, you know, oh, you hate America or like, you know, oh, if you don't like it here, then move. And it's like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, I, I live here. That's why I'm criticizing it. Like, I'm not criticizing it because I want to leave. I really like being here. Like, I'm criticizing it because there are things we could be doing better. And there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with saying that. You know, like I, I served, you know, I was in Iraq. Uh, I deployed to Iraq twice, to Fallujah both times. And, you know, I'm very critical of the war in Iraq. Like I know, I, I know guys like Gunnery Sergeant Ronald Baum, you know, Corporal Belchick, who were, you know, Staff Sergeant Mack. These guys are dead now and they shouldn't be. And like, I'm older now than Gunny Baum was when he was killed, which is like weird to, to think about. And these guys should all be alive. That that hasn't like to me, that is actually the definition of patriotism is, you know, I want the best for my brothers and my sisters in the military, you know, and there's nothing more patriotic than wanting your your troops to come home safely. Right. Like nobody, nobody wants to go over there and get killed. And, you know, and I've been criticized for for just saying, 
you know, oh, the Iraq war was, was built on a lie. Like it was like, you know, the whole thing was, you know, it was garbage. We were over there for bullshit reasons. And a lot of U.S. troops and a lot of Iraqi civilians are dead for literally nothing. Oh, but we did a good thing by overthrowing Saddam. It's like Saddam would have imploded. Like, I, I mean, what was he going to do? Like he, he didn't have nuclear weapons. He didn't have weapons of mass destruction. Barely had and, chemical weapons in many instances yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm not sitting here saying that it's a it was it's a bad thing that he's dead. I think it's a very good thing that he's dead. But at what cost? You know, that's no that's no consolation to wives and 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 mothers and children and and uh, you know fathers who who have lost loved ones. They don't give a shit that Saddam is dead. It's not worth it to them. So why is it worth it to you? And you know, and and you. you I find that the biggest criticism come from, comes from people who don't have any skin in the game whatsoever. I was just about to say that, yeah. I think it's the people that have in their head this like very straightforward view of like what it means to be a patriot and what it means to support the military, etc. It's not often the people that are veterans themselves or the people that have loved ones in the military or have lost loved ones in military service, etc. Right? Like it's, it's usually the people I, dissociated. It's why I go out of my way not to like, for example, park in, you know, this parking spot at Lowe's is reserved for veterans. I go out of my way not to park in these things because that's that's not why anybody should join the military. And and if, if you're in the military because you want people to thank you for your service, then you don't belong in the military. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, people have this idea that people have this idea that, you know, Marines, for example, are these invincible warriors, but they're not. They're just people like you and me. And a lot of them are dead now who shouldn't be. And that sucks shit, man. <laughs> like, that's that's awful. That's terrible. I should, I, 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 am I cursing too much? No, you're good. Swearing? You're good. We're, okay, cool. we, we can bleep for YouTube and uh, we don't have to for audio. So you're good. Sorry. All right. All right. I'll, I'll good. try to dial it back. You're good. Uh, you're good. I do too. So. But, but, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it, it you know, I, I've, I have had people, I have had just the most incredible messages, like the, just the most insane threats sent to me for like over, over like, you know, call over my opinions on Call of Duty and Six Days in Fallujah. It's like, is this, is this really what you like? Is this worth it to you guys? Like, you know, I just, I just don't get the mentality. Yeah, I think it, I guess the follow-up of that would be like, how do we better educate, right? Or or is it just lost cause? Are there always going to be a lost people cause. like that? It's a lost cause. Nope. I gave up trying to educate people on that because honestly, like, because, you know, people, you know, there's a saying to see, to see what's in front of one's nose needs a constant struggle, mm. right? And, you know, I can talk till I'm blue in the face. Some people might listen, some people might not. But at the end of the day, like, it's not... It's not my responsibility or frankly anyone else's responsibility to educate these people. It's their responsibility to educate themselves. themselves. Yep. And, you know, I've I've wasted too much breath and too much of my time trying to trying to talk to people about this. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like I I, like I almost didn't come because I knew we were going to talk about six days in Fallujah, which I'm fine to talk about. But I'd like I, I made up my mind that this is probably the last time I'm going to talk about that publicly because it's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I did want to get it's to the aspect not. of just glorifying, like games glorifying war, right? Like I, I grew up a COD player, you know, I've had a lot of time with that franchise, still play Counter-Strike, etc. And I think like there's, I am not one of the video games caused violence people. Like, and, and I've been no, me neither. In, in, in the weeds of that argument. I mean, it's, I think it's out of shot for the people that are watching this on YouTube. So I'll explain on my wall, I was uh, one of the two reporters that reported on the Jacksonville shooting and actually got the story right. And on my wall is an ESPN, the magazine spread that is basically breaking that down. And I remember when that happened in 20, 2018, when the Jacksonville shooting happened, that there was pretty significant outrage on both sides of the, the political aisle, the left and the right. The video games caused violence and the shooting happened just for clarity. I'm pretty sure I mentioned on the show. The shooting happened in a Madden tournament. This is not like yeah. a, you know, this is not an F, it's not an FPS tournament. It's a Madden I tournament. Like, are, are we, you know, 
I don't think the football game impacted the mentality of the shooter. I can tell you it didn't. Yeah. As someone who reported on his life and got down into the weeds, why, you know, he, his torn relationship with his family, et cetera, and all the other things that had doctors extremely concerned before everything happened. And I think, but I think the, the problem with a lot of the war video games is, and I think we've seen this, what you were saying was just with six days of Fallujah, like, they're some of these games are getting like hyper realistic about war and the, and they do glorify war in a lot of different ways that is from that point of view concerning i don't think it's breeding violence but i think it's like yeah it's so, not great so i do believe just like in movies i believe there is a place for war in video games right i i actually wrote an article in 2017 for polygon about how games are about how you know like call of duty is not training your kid to to fire a weapon better Right. It's just not if you've if you've ever played Call of Duty and and if you've ever you know fought, after you've held an, an an M16, the 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 idea is ludicrous, right? Like it's 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 laughable to the point of just pure insanity. I think that I think that there is a place for for depictions of war in video games, and a, a really good example of a game that I felt did it right was Spec Ops: The Line. Yeah, um, actually, really Spec got series a lot. I grew up on that on those series again. Like, yeah. well, like you know, it 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 really got into the psychological horror behind warfare. Like, you know, it showed you what, for example, Willie Pete does to the human body, and you know, it, you know, it melts you from the inside. Like, you you die melting from from white phosphorus. Well, in you know, Call of Duty multiplayer, it's a you know, it's a, it was kill, a kill streak and cod for and, yeah. you, and yep. you start coughing, you know, and it's like, mm, like, that's not what, that's not what Willie Pete does. So like, you know, like I've got no problem with war games. Like I don't play them uh, cause I'm not interested, but I've got no problem with them. I just think that if you are going to use a weapon of war that many nations refuse to use, due to what it does to the human body, like some nations consider it a war crime. You should depict that weapon accurately. You know, like, I... Yeah, I mean, like, you know, and, and that's kind of like my... And I'm sure we'll get into Six Days in Fallujah in a minute, but, but um, yeah, like, I've, I've got opinions on that one, as I'm sure you're aware. But, yeah, there's a time and place for everything. There's absolutely a place for, for war in video games. I just you've I just think you got to do it responsibly. Yeah, I I think I'm concerned not because they inherently cause violence. I've thought about this a lot. We've had some people that have done some really good reporting on this, and we had Rachel Coward on the show previously as well, who's talked a little bit about extremism and its link to video games as well, and she's done some critical work around that. I think Did you say Rachel Coward. Yes, we yeah, good we, friend of mine. We love Rachel. And she was a fantastic guest. Go go for the people listening. Go back and listen to that episode. It was September or October. It's somewhere back in the feed. You'll find it. But the... What concerns me now is not that the war games cause, you know, like sort of wishful thinking of going to war. I, I think that's always been a bullshit line. I think what concerns me more broadly about gaming and extremism is that like... And it it can be any game like this happens in Roblox. It's been well documented that this happens in Roblox It's like people who are mentally unwell in many cases, finding sort of places where they can become radicalized in, yep. you know, in communities. This is not exclusive to video games. This happens on board. Minecraft, like, Mine, Minecraft is bad for that, actually. Yeah, it's like, you know, Believe people people go on to 4chan or 8chan and they find the same type of stuff. And then they're just now finding it in video games and they're finding they're like you know, welcome community, places like Discord, et cetera, who has done an awful job. I'm on the record, like, criticizing Discord a lot for their lack of moderation because they're very much like, we don't interfere in people's, like, private servers. And I was like, that's great. What if yeah. they're talking about, like, hate crimes and killing people and everything else, like, in a serious manner, right? Like, that's probably should moderate that. You probably should deal with that. Like, I think that's probably fair. And we saw, I've brought it up on the show a few times, like, the, the Buffalo shooter is a pretty awful example of exactly just that was using like the was using discord as like his personal journal to talk about what he planned to do during the the buffalo shooting and and how he was going to you know mapping it out basically nobody else was in his discord from my understanding but like was using it basically as a journal to make the plan out of his attack he body cam live stream and actually what you just said earlier 
was holding was holding the uh, gun like you do in a war game, not like you do in real life, which is a figure a trained soldier and someone that knows how to shoot an AR. So that's what concerns me. It's not that the games themselves are causing the problems. It's that some of the games are becoming sort of havens for this type of behavior. And I think finding the balance of how to moderate that is really, really tough. And there's really no way to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, because once you start... It's whack-a-mole. Right. And and there's also like, you know, let's let's face it, there are First Amendment considerations to consider here as well. Right. Like, you know, you, you can't you can't police this stuff too hard because then you really start getting into freedom of speech violations because video games are protected. Not only are video games a protected form of, of free speech because they're art you know, we can monitor these forums and stuff. And, and, you know, like you can, you can listen to, cro- to chatter and talk, but uh, you know, uh, that uh, until something concrete happens or you have actual evidence, that's still all it is, is just talk. Yep. And that's the problem with trying to police this stuff, right? Is that it makes it extremely dicey from a legal standpoint. It's the same issue with social media too. You know, it, yeah. it, it is public and, and people are po- in many cases posting, but like, it's, you know, with Section 230 and responsibility and everything else that a lot of the social media platforms have, I think it's this it's this constant, like, it's way too much information for any, like, FBI-type agency to even, like, scroll it, right? Like, it's just... And they're ill-equipped to do so because they just don't know these spaces as well as they maybe know some others. Like, it's just... Yep. It's incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I think that that's my concern with games. It's not It's not that the games are causing, you know sort of murderous ideology etc like that's agreed and that's what i ran into when i was reporting on the story in jacksonville was a lot of people were using that rhetoric that the games were causing violence and it's like i don't there's really no science to prove that at all there's, so. there, there's nothing yeah yeah nothing yeah all right let's talk six days in Fallujah, though because mm. i know you're dreading dreading to talk about it but it's no, I mean, it's important of, it, it's an important topic i it's i want to give a little bit of context to the listeners, you know, Six Days in Fallujah is, is a wartime game set during series of battles in Iraq and has gotten some real criticism lately because it hit early access on PC and it is hyper realistic in a way that I think like, you know, Call of Duty, etc., even Counter-Strike like aren't. And I think some people would consider those realistic in air quotes. John, thoughts? on on everything in general with the game so right off the bat so i know a couple people who have played it in early access and what's what's funny about all the controversy about six days in fallujah is that at you know at the end of the day it is an extremely janky not very well polished experience it's it's just it's not a very impressive game from a gameplay standpoint but who cares about any of that right like what people are talking about is what is depicted there and there are real marines in the game with real stories to tell about what happened in fallujah and you know there's been a lot of talk back and forth about whether or not this is appropriate you know whether or not this is you know and look i'm not here i you know i have never like you know people have said oh john you you want them to cancel the game i don't want them to cancel the game i've never said once cancel six days in Fallujah. I've never once said this game needs to be canceled. What I have said is that I think this game is a really bad idea because, you know, the developer has said that, you know, we will take you to the battlefield in Fallujah. Um, You know, we will, we will transport you as close to Fallujah as you can possibly get without actually being there. Now, as somebody who was in Fallujah and was wounded in Fallujah, one, that's bullshit. Like, that's just not going to happen. But two, you've now made a promise that you cannot deliver on. And, you know, I, I've heard some people come back at me with, well, what about like, you know, letters from Iwo Jima or Saving Private Ryan, John? Like these these games, you know, or these movies told meaningful stories about World War II. And, and I'm like, okay. Hacksaw Ridge to some of the others. Yeah, you know, like- but, but it's like, okay, so one, those movies used those wars as a backdrop but they're telling fictitious events like private ryan never existed that's a that's a that's just that's just you know it's just a movie and more than that saving private ryan never promised to like take you to normandy you know like like it never made that promise 
in a movie, you are a passive observer as opposed to a video game where you are an active participant. And I simply, and when you tell me, and, and this is a quote from the, you know, Peter Tamte, the, you know, the, the, you know, the head of the studio, when you tell me that people don't want to play as an Iraqi civilian because people don't care about those stories, what you've just told me is that you do you not. don't care you are, about those stories. Yeah. Well, and and you are not responsible enough to handle the subject matter in a in the way that it needs to be handled, because, and again, like people get pissed off at me when I say this, but you know, U.S. media has a it has a really really weird hang up about portraying the U.S. military as the antagonists. Notice I didn't say villains, I said antagonists, which in Iraq we absolutely were. That's a fact. Like like we were the antagonists. We invaded Iraq. We were the invaders. And you know, that is not to dismiss the 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 story, the very real stories of heroism and sacrifice the part of the US troops. Like I I walked with I walked with heroes, right? Like I you know, I some of the most heroic men and women in my life are 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 I've ever known are 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 you know individuals that I encountered in in Fallujah, but none of us. But that doesn't erase the fact that none of us should have been there to begin yeah, with. Yeah, it's it's the. I mean, I'm a huge System of a Down fan, very like anti Iraq counterculture part of their music in the early 2000s, which I grew up on, and it's you know you it, it's exactly I think what they point out, which is like. Well, you know, why do the, why don't the presidents fight the war? That why do they always send the poor, right? Like they're sending boot soldiers to go fight something that is highly politically motivated. I think this war is very unique, not totally unique, but very unique in that specific circumstance, right? Where yeah. it's like, well, and, and that's like what you're dealing with, you know, somebody said, well, John, you don't have a problem with like you know, World War II games, and I'm like, okay, we were attacked in World War II, like the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. That's what got us into World War II. We were not, <clears throat> we were not an antagonistic invading force. We had been attacked, and we entered the war on that premise. It, had the Japanese not bombed Pearl Harbor, we may never have actually had troops involved in World War II, and things might have gone very differently. Iraq did not attack us. They just, they just didn't. And, uh, you know, again, like you can argue all day that Saddam being dead is a good thing. I think, I think it is a good thing. But if you are going to make a game about what happened in Fallujah, you have to, for example, you have to tell the entire story. Like we were responsible for some atrocities in Fallujah. Like, like, like U.S. troops, like there were some U.S. troops who committed real atrocities, war crimes. These are documented. And, you know, like, are you going to tell those stories? No. Oh, why? Because that doesn't fit the narrative of your, of your war game. Right? Like, this is why I separate games for like six days for uh, in Fallujah from like Spec Ops the Line. Because Spec Ops the Line is not a, that's a game, that's an example of a game that is not afraid to shy away from these subjects. Right? right. And, you know, like, I don't, I don't want people to cancel six days in Fallujah. You are free. This is a mirror. You can make whatever game you want. I just don't think that the studio is responsible enough to tell the story. And that's not the fault of the Marines who were involved in telling their stories. It's not their fault. Right. You know, this is the, you know, this is this is on the studio because, you know, a, a really interesting, a really interesting quote and something that uh, the, the actually the very first thing that set my alarm klaxons wailing about this was when somebody at the studio might have been Peter Tampty again when he said, you know, we're trying to make an apolitical war game. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, but you can't. War yeah. is inherently political. Correct. War is politics. You cannot be like what what does that even mean? You can't make an apolitical war game. What do you think two nations just decided to go to war because they had nothing better to do? Like I mean, that's not the reality of war. So when you're telling me that you're making an apolitical war game, what that tells me is you are making a war game that you don't want people to mistake for as being quote unquote woke. You know, like that is what you are trying to do. And, you know, and because people, again, are just so afraid of, of telling the entire, of telling the entire story, 
about the Iraq war. You know, they're like, okay, well, we have to say that this game is apolitical because then like, you know, you know, our audience, which come on, we all know the audience that Six Days in Fallujah is catering to, you know, our audience is going to think that, you know, if we, if we focus too much on Iraqi civilians or the things that the U.S. military did bad, people might think our game is woke and we can't have that. And so I'm telling you right now, that is, that is the reason for a lot of this stuff. What do you think there is that inherent desire to glorify American military action in general? Because it makes people feel badass, especially people who have never served. Like, you know, you know, the the guys like the Marines telling their stories through six days in Fallujah, I guarantee you aren't doing this because they think they're badasses. They're doing it because they want to tell their stories and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. They're not the ones making the game. You know, they're just they're just telling their stories. I would say almost uniformly the you know, it's people who have never served who who have never who who like to think that they would be the guy in a war, you know, pulling a pin on pulling a pin on a grenade, you know, with their teeth and you know, turning back and Scream into their, you know, scream into their platoon. Come on, you bastards. Do you want to live forever? Like everybody's got this. When you look in the mirror, everybody's like, everybody looks at themselves as, as like the main character of their own story. Right. Like, you know, and people have this heroic tend to have this very heroic image of themselves. Like, you know, this is what I would do if I was in combat, you know, but the reality of it is, is 99% of people who have never been in combat would shit their pants and die immediately. And, you know, it's a this is a way for people to act out fantasies. But that's all they are. Are 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 fantasies. Like I told somebody once, if you could actually create a video game that gives you the experience, like the true and honest experience of being on a battlefield, take that thing and throw it into the deepest part of the ocean. Don't subject anyone to that. Because as somebody who's been to war, I'm telling you right now, one, six days in Fallujah isn't going to do it for you. And two, you don't want it to. You don't want to be anywhere near that. I I promise you. And anybody anybody who says, yeah, man, I love to go to war. Well, there's something wrong in the head with you. You know, nobody nobody wants to go to war. And if you do want to go to war, then you need to be examined by a professional. Because you're a sociopath. I think the other like concern and is that like subjecting people to especially as we get like more realistic wartime war like games and virtual reality et cetera is is subjecting people to potential PTSD right secondary PTSD from media you know I I struggled and I went to therapy for this I wasn't even there when the shooting happened with Jacksonville shooting I had to watch so many of the like videos and imagery and everything else that other people had when that happened and got my hands on some stuff that never made the public and what like I found myself dreaming at night that I was in a restaurant where I was being shot at right and and dying and I wasn't even there when it happened much less being you know a victim of the situation and I'm just the reporter like consuming media of it and I think like some of the same potential risk exists here. If you start getting into like real wartime VR experiences that go a little bit too hyper realistic, where it's like, you know, you could encounter a, not the same as an actual veteran who was there, but like some of the same potential symptoms, et cetera, of, of PTSD. You know, it's, you know, it's still weird. It's still weird for me to like hear fireworks, <laughs> you know, because well, like I yeah. had to listen to a video gunshot so many damn times for reporting purposes. You know, like, the other, you, you know, the, the other piece of the puzzle here is people get so defensive over this stuff, you know, like, like because of my criticizing six days in Fallujah, like I've had people, you know, I've had people claim I never served. I've had people claim I was never wounded. Um, I've had people claim I never saw combat. Um, members of my family have had sexual assault threats. I've had death threats all because I criticized a video game. And, you know, like, this is like, you know, this is the, like, it's, it's like, you know, Kate, guys, that's your audience. That's your audience. Like, this is the, 
This is the audience that you are making this game for. So think real long and hard about who you're catering to, you know, and which is why, like, you know, I, I tend to, you know, like I'm making an exception tonight, but I, I tend not to talk about this stuff anymore just because it's not, it's not worth it. Like, it's not worth the It's not worth the bullshit. You know, it's not worth the, it's not worth the, the hassle. It's, you know, because at, at the end of the day, like, I'm like, I'm not going to like, look, I realize I'm not going to change anyone's mind. Like if you are, if you are dead set on this, then whatever, go play, go play six days in Fallujah. I don't care. Have fun. Knock yourself out. I'm not going to play it. But, you know, it to me, it's just grossly irresponsible, not only to, not only for all of those, you know, I, you know, I like to say that there is no such thing as a good war, only a justified war. And uh, like war is just inherently bad all around, but sometimes it's necessary. And, you know, you're, you're making your, <clears throat> excuse me, you're making your, your heroic, you know, you know, badass war game about a war that quite frankly did not need to be fought and resulted in a lot of innocent people getting killed on both sides. Crazy to me. That's still a controversial opinion, by the way, with everything we know as a society now, but I, yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, and the response for, for questioning that is, you know, well, I hope you get sexually assaulted. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, that's that, you know, that's, that is the level of discourse we're at now. This is a question from Prime. Do you think that there is an artful and correct way to depict real military events from the war in the Middle East? Yes, I do. But you have to talk about the you have to talk about the reasons that that got us to Iraq in the first place, right? Um, and at, now Afghanistan is kind of like a different story, right? Because you know nine eleven was planned and orchestrated from Afghan soil. And we we gave the you know we gave the you know the leaders of the Taliban a, a a chance to turn Bin Laden over, they didn't because Bin Laden was married to Mohammed Omar's um you know daughter so you know and of course and you know according to the Pashtun traditions of you know hospitality and Melmastia, you know they just weren't going to hand Bin Laden over, even though that they were there were members of the of the core Taliban leadership who were like what are we doing we need to get rid of this guy, we're going to get flattened. But, you know, like Afghanistan is a different story altogether, right? Like you could make it, you could make a really, really good game about Afghanistan because we were there for it. You know, we had a clear moral imperative, in my opinion, in Afghanistan. Now, we might have, we might have completely screwed up the end game, which we did, but we were there because we had to be. Iraq is a different story. So you've like, you know, making one game, like just like you cannot compare, for example, counterinsurgency tactics uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, because you're talking about two completely different cultures, so too can you not compare games set in Iraq and Afghanistan because you're talking about two completely separate wars. And like you know, yeah, it's all under the banner of the war on terror, but you know, Operation, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom are two completely different things. And you can't take the lessons you learned in Iraq from, like, for example, a, again, a counterinsurgency perspective and apply those to Afghanistan. And I would say the same, like, you know, goes to depicting those those conflicts as well, be it in games or, or media. If you're going to make a game about Iraq, in my opinion, you have to tell the whole story about why we were there. I feel like if you're an artist and games, you know, you if if we believe games are art, then developers are essentially the artists. I believe that you have a responsibility to educate people with your art and to, 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 you know, wield your brush responsibly. And I just don't feel like that's being done here. Uh, you could say the same about film and television in many instances too. I mean, even, even in the, I think there's more media concerning, at least to my naked eye, more media concerning the, the Afghan war than, than the Iraqi war just in general, especially mm -hmm. in the fictional space. You know, think of all the various different films, et cetera, that have been created, TV shows that have been created around sure. events uh, related to, to Al-Qaeda and or Al-Qaeda in, in Afghanistan versus Iraq. But yeah, I, I think just generally it's, it's really... I think this is part of what people are criticizing Six Days in Fallujah a lot about is that it's a very American perspective on everything. And like, you know. and, and like the other thing is, is like, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, I am not the only veteran who's critical of Six Days in Fallujah. No, you're not. Um, no. By a long shot. But there's no point in getting mad at any of us guys, because we're not going to stop the game from coming out. Right. It, it's out. Like it's out in early access right now. So 
<clears throat> you know, at the end of the day, we can we can take big fat dumps all over the game all we want. Like the game's coming out, and nobody's gonna try. Nobody even wants to try to stop the game from coming out. That's not what this is about. So relax, guys. Relax, everyone. It's not that serious. We can kind of end on this subject. You know, this show, Visionaries, is around a lot of like bigger ideas. We talk a lot about the internet and the way that the internet changes various different things in our lives, and we've been doing that for the past year since we launched the show in July of last year. And I think the one thing that I've always thought about, and I've been thinking about this increasingly more and more and more, especially as it comes to the U.S. pulling out from Afghanistan, is the way that social media has impacted news consumption, discussion around war, et cetera. It's not war criticism. It's not new. Right. Like obviously, right. Counterculture, et cetera, and around sure. Vietnam in particular, et cetera. But I do think that social media has inherently changed the way that we talk about it in the discourse. And it's made it in many ways much more nasty. And sort of when people speak out, as you were talking about people threatening you, threatening your family, et cetera, you know, trying to decredit or trying to remove the credibility and, and strip you of the credibility that you you earned in your service. Can you talk about that a little bit and how you think it's changed the way that we talk about these, how social media has changed the discourse around these topics versus maybe the way that it did pre pre-internet age? Well, you know, I, I mean, I think that, I think the big difference is, is that, you know, with the advent of social media, like, like in 1994, right? Like if somebody wrote a news article about whatever that you didn't like, like you could throw the newspaper away. You could write a letter to the editor or something be like, yeah, yeah, I thought your article sucked, you know, like you go to hell. But these days you can respond directly to the author of the article within seconds. You can retweet them and flood their mentions full of hate if you want to over something as simple as a disagreement on fundamental issues. And so, you know, the ad with, you know, the advent of social media, I, I think has really made not everyone, but a lot of people afraid to really speak out. Because nobody wants to deal with harassment, right? Like nobody wants to deal with mm -hmm. death threats. Nobody wants to, nobody wants their DMs to be full of, you know, vitriol and, and you know, racism or bigotry or homophobia. Nobody wants any of this stuff. And, you know, with, with, with social media, people really have to make a choice these days about, you know, I feel like people were far more willing to be critical and open about things back in the days of like, you know, black and white newspapers. Because the repercussions were like, you know, oh, I got some hate mail. I'm just not going to read it. Well, like on, on Twitter, you don't have a choice. Like you're going to see it. And, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do to stop it. You know, these days, these days, it is very easy to find out where people live. You know, there are, there are, and, you know, and people do this, you know, for a, a lot of people do this simply because it's fun to them. You know, because, you know, there are uh, online, there are very few repercussions for, for engaging in this kind of behavior. So I feel like social media has has done. I I I think social media has been a just a, a complete net negative for you know people who might have been willing to to speak out on something ten fifteen years ago. I mean longer than that, but now granted there are there are people who aren't going to be deterred from that. Like I I'm going to continue to say what I say, and I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. But you know that doesn't make me braver than anyone it just you know makes me stubborn but you know there there's a i think there's a general reluctance uh, a growing reluctance to kind of put your thoughts on a particular matter out there that might be controversial simply because you know you're going to get a, a billion and one you know quote unquote patriots in your mentions who think you're a commie traitor or you know, oh, it's a socialist, it's a Marxist, without any real understanding or knowledge of what these terms even mean. You know, they're just parroting them because, you know, they saw a cat turd or someone say it, which, you know, again, like, you know, the fact that one of the key leaders of thought on the right is a guy named Cat Turd should tell you the I thought he was the, parody account for a long time. No, I realized no, he, like, he definitely isn't. Yeah. No, that's the and that's kind of like the that's where we find ourselves now is we got guys named Cat Turd leading the discourse online. So it's a really, really cool place to be in. Yeah. Well, John, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Where can people find the work that you're doing and the discussion <laughs> you're oh, man, sharing? You, you don't want to do that. But yes, but we do. do. I think people enjoyed this discussion. So you can follow me on Twitter at Magitech Dad, um, M-A-G-I-T-E-K Dad. 
But I would rather you go follow at official SDGC. We're on Twitter and on Blue Sky. It's a weekly live podcast every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash official SDGC, where we talk about all the latest gaming news. Um, We are uh, sponsored Square Enix content creators, so we do a lot of content creation surrounding Square Enix games. And we also have a Discord community with over 400 people in it that's always very active, so we've got a nice little community. And yeah, we definitely lean very progressive. So if that's your cup of tea, come check us out. Well, we appreciate you being here and spending time with us for the past hour and for being flexible uh, with your schedule. John, thanks for being here. Hey, man. Yeah, dude, no problem. It's my pleasure. That's all for our show. If you enjoyed this episode of Visionaries, you can find more like it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It helps a lot of other people find the show. Special thanks to Prem Thottamkara, Semi Daig, and Cecilia Siochetti for helping with this episode. We will be back next week with more Visionaries.